What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, Joe. What do you know? We need a hit, so here I go. Ball one. Ball two. Strike one. Love the great music there, Joe. Let's talk a little baseball with our friend Brock Hankey. Brock, great to be with you. How are you, sir? Fine, Frank. How are you and Bob? Very good. Bob is out today, so it's just you and me. We got a lot to talk about, including yesterday, Skip Schumacher being named the manager of the year. He had that terrific season with the Marlins, and I thought it was kind of cool because. After he won the award, he basically gave credit to the Cardinal organization. He said, quote, everything I know I learned from somebody, and the majority of that is definitely Tony LaRussa. You don't get a chance to pick you who to pick who you get drafted by, but the Cardinals taught me so much and that winning is a sustainable culture. So what a what a cool thing and uh your impressions of Skip Schumacher and why he was successful. Yeah, I saw that. I saw him say that. And, you know, it makes sense in terms of his success. You dealt with Tony. You know what he was like. Tony's defining characteristic as a manager was he was excessively bright. And he could figure things out that nobody else could. And if you were bright enough to keep up with him, he could teach you a lot about baseball in a very brief period of time. The thing that strikes me about Skip Schumacher is he learned all that stuff from Tony, but then he had the personality skills to maintain control of the clubhouse and not drive everyone crazy, as know-it-all managers sometimes do. So if you were an owner and uh, you were going to hire a manager and you had a 45-year-old Tony La Russa and a 45-year-old Whitey Herzog, who would you hire? That would depend entirely on how close my team was to winning. If you need to overhaul your roster, you get Whitey Herzog. Because Whitey Herzog is arguably the greatest general manager in the history of managers. If you've got a team that's close to being ready to win, get Tony because he knows everything. What Whitey was really good at was taking a roster and fitting it into a concept for a team that he had, where he had every spot in the lineup and every spot on the field assigned to one player each player knew exactly what his job was, and he would go to the trouble to acquire players who were very good at doing one or two jobs. He didn't like generalist players. He liked specialty players. He liked guys like Ozzie Smith. He liked guys like Keith Hernandez. You look at them and you say, that guy is a defensive wizard shortstop. That guy's the number three hitter. That guy's a great defensive catcher. That guy hits home runs. That guy hits for a batting average. That guy gets on base. He wanted to be in charge 
of the way that was put together. And it meant he had to have a right, uh, roster that fit it. Tony was less interested in the roster. He would take what he had and get it organized in the best direction he could. All right, uh, then answer it this way, and you can't hedge. One manager to win one game to save the world from communism, Whitey Herzog or Tony LaRusso, who do you take? Tony, Whitey blew at least one ball game and maybe two by getting emotionally overheated. Right. The Dundinger ball game was not yeah. helped by, by Whitey blowing a gasket. And then there was game seven when the team was so out of control that they just self-destructed. And a lot of that was that Whitey was out of control. There's another game in the 87 series where he replaced the pitcher too early. Um, they brought in a relief. I think it was Joe McGrain. They brought in relief. McGrain was a kid, I think maybe even a rookie. And he replaced him too early to bring in Danny Cox on two days rest, and Cox got hammered. Tony didn't make that kind of mistake. All right, let's get to some uh, present Cardinal thoughts uh, Dylan Carlson, would you can consider bringing him back and letting him try to win a job, or do you think that's not a good idea? Um, I would bring back the 25-year-old best center fielder in the organization and say, try to win the job, and would you can seriously consider stop being a switch hitter? Because the only thing that's keeping you from being an all-star center fielder is that you can't hit left-handed. You can't hit right-handed pitching. Well, the whole point of being a left a switch hitter is so that you can hit left-handed against righty pitching. If it's not working, let's just let you be a righty hitter and see if you can't hit righty pitching better as a righty hitter than you were doing as a lefty hitter. Because whatever works, whatever will fix your problem with righty pitching will make you an all-star. Hmm. Andy I Van wouldn't Sly- want to give him up as young as he is until I tried that at least once. Andy Van Slyke has suggested that all season long. Now, another thing Andy is suggesting is the possibility of moving Paul Goldschmidt to get a a pitcher in return. My take is that I want the pitchers to come in here, but I don't want to have to give up a really good player. I would rather spend money and not give up assets. What do you think about Paul Goldschmidt, who I think even next year is still good for 25 and 85 and a 800 OPS. I would rather give up the money than Paul Goldschmidt, too. The current Cardinal roster, although it is lineup, although it is a very good lineup, it should score a lot of runs, doesn't have really only but two home run hitters that are reliable because Nolan Gorman isn't reliable yet. He strikes out too much. Until Nolan Gorman establishes that he really can hit cleanup, I wouldn't give up Goldschmidt. Mm. All right. And uh, what about Alec Burleson, who seems to be drawing, kind of to the surprise of many of us, some interest? Uh, he had the surgery late in September because of the, uh, the thumb injury. Do you think he has a future here? Burleson right now is backed up behind the number of kids that we have who are a little bit better than him. If he's drawing interest, see if you can package him with somebody else and get a pitcher. Yeah, Burleson is one guy I'd be willing to deal how would you handle Tommy Edmond? He's another guy who you probably can get something in return for. And if you're committed, you know, to the young shortstop, maybe there's not room for Edmond. You tell me what you think. I really, really like the idea of Tommy Edmond as your backup center fielder 
and your backup shortstop and your backup second baseman and your backup third baseman. He has immense value doing that. And he'll get enough playing time because people miss games and they get hurt. He'll get enough playing time to essentially put in starter playing time, even though his role is a backup role and it doesn't seem to bother him. So that's what I'd do with Edmund. I'd say, this is a valuable guy. It's like having two or three bench guys all in one guy. All right. So many intriguing free agent pitchers out there this offseason. We've talked about it before, but it seems to me that if you think about what the Cardinals done in the past and them not winning free agent bidding wars, that maybe you should target a guy like Sonny Gray who will be 34, who you won't have to give a long-term offer to. What, what do you think? Uh, oh, is he the most intriguing to you? And uh, do you think that, you know, Otani and then um, I guess a guy like Aaron Nola would be not affordable? I wouldn't go for Otani simply because we don't really need a position player and a pitcher. I'd rather put all the money in pitching. If you're going to trade for Otani, you might as well trade Paul Goldschmidt for a pitcher is what okay. I think, because yeah. Otani takes over the right-handed home run spot in your lineup. But the problem with that is you've now got two starting spots, starting pitcher and right-handed cleanup man assigned to one guy, and if he gets hurt, that's a big hit. That's the weakness of Otani. One injury takes a lot of your team out. I've seen a couple of estimates on ESPN, in particular qualifying offers that were rejected. Supposedly, Sonny Gray got a qualifying offer of $20 million and rejected it. That would imply that he and his agent think he can get 25 at most 30 I think that's a very, very good deal if you can get Sonny Gray for that kind of money and not too many years. So Sonny Gray suddenly started looking more interesting. The same thing was true of Aaron Nola. But Aaron Nola did not pitch as well as Sonny Gray last year. My own personal opinion is that I'd be willing to go 30 and go six or seven years to get Yamamoto. And that seems to be the estimate of what he's going to get. If you can get Yamamoto for 30 years, for six, seven years, take it and don't worry too much about the third spot. Get him and a second starter. And if you have to bring a third starter out of the bullpen, out of the rest of the organization, go ahead and live with that. But then I really, really, really like Yamamoto, partially because he's 25. Yeah, and I think there's a strong chance that the Yankees or Mets are going to outbid us there, and we have no chance with Yamamoto. Um, what about in terms of, like, the third starting pitcher? Because I think Michaelis should be your four and Matt should be your five. What about a guy like Kyle Gibson, who did have a higher ERA, but uh, he won 15 games and he logged a lot of innings and he struck out a lot of people? I would be interested in seeing, if you're going to talk about a third pitcher, I would be interested in seeing if Jordan Montgomery liked the organization well enough to sign a good deal to come back. Montgomery would be a far better than necessary number three starter. In fact, I'd rate him as number two. Oh, yeah. So if you're going to yeah. talk about number three starter, the first guy I want to look at is Montgomery. All right. Another guy who um, could fill maybe that third role is a guy like Michael Waka who um, ha really had a solid season last year. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He was, he was one of the better pitchers in that division, won a lot of games, pitched a lot of innings, and was finally healthy. What, you, what about Waka? 
I agree. If you can get Waka for reasonable money, get him. All right. I don't think there's anything more that needs to be said than that. Yeah, good idea. Um, and then in terms of other moves, do you think the bullpen has to be addressed, or are you comfortable with a Romero and then with um, Helsley as a combo uh, in, your, in the back end? I am comfortable with a bullpen that amounts to whoever shows up and has a good year gets to pitch. I'm comfortable with that because we need starting pitching too badly. If we didn't need to commit so many resources to getting three starting pitchers, I would be interested in focusing on getting a more reliable closer. But I want that third starting pitcher more than I want a reliable closer. Good stuff. Brock, we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much for your time, sir. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. See you in two weeks. All right, Brock Hankey joining us on the Hollywood Casino Press Box. I want to thank everybody for their nice thoughts on Jackson. We're hoping for a miracle here. Really appreciate it. Joe, great work. Oh, we got a big show lined up Thursday, don't we? Give us, give us that guest list. Uh, yes, tomorrow, actually. Yes, we will have uh, Reed Lowe talking hockey at 11 o'clock, as always, uh, with the Blues running hot right now. But then we also are going to have Lou Brock's wife on. Uh, she's going to come in and talk about the Lou Brock estate sale that they're going to have going on at patios, uh, I believe, November 24th through the 28th. So we're going to have a really fun show. And we're also going to try to book a college football guest. I'm working on Dennis Dodd. Let's get that going and uh, have some fun SEC football talk going into and, the weekend. And our weekly special with Joe Fresta, too. Yes. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back in 22. Kevin and Nate coming up next.